So uh, today we get to jump into part three of this series, Rebuild. And uh, as we do, I just want to start out with a picture. So uh, check this out. This is a good one. All right. Just take a moment to take this in. All right. That fine little guy there, that's me. Okay. So uh, younger Aaron. And uh, if, you, if you feel like I'm about to trip, I am. Okay. That was a very gangly phase for me. Now the dude behind me, I will submit to you, you are not going to find a cooler dad out there, okay? The dude is just fantastic. And if you couldn't tell, it is the 80s, just by the style in the hair. But uh, the, 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 the focus of this story is actually the car behind us. Because uh, what we're doing in this picture is we are at the drag strip, okay? We are, uh, we are at the drag races, and this is something that growing up that we did quite a lot. We would pile into the vehicle, we would pack food, we would go for like the whole weekend and either watch professionals drag race or watch, actually watch my dad drag race that car back there. So uh, yeah, I know all about Christmas trees and slicks, and I know that that car had a 406 small block in it. I don't know what that means, but I do know it was very fast. Now, uh, something you should know is that car didn't always look like that. In fact, uh, another picture here, uh, this at one point is what the car looked like. It was a 75 Chevelle and my dad and his brother rebuilt this thing over the span of a couple years uh, from that into this, okay? And so it was a beautiful machine. Uh, speaking of the 80s, if you wanna know the color of that car, it's technically candy brandy wine. So that's a very 80s color. Um, now, if you wanna rebuild something like that, like a car, there's some things you're gonna need. Uh, first off, you gotta have some know-how. I mean, you gotta know some things about how cars work. And what's really uh, amazing to me is my dad and his brother, they rebuilt his car in the 80s. There was no YouTube. I mean, I don't know how they figured it out, but they just did. You need know-how and you need tools. I mean, you need wrenches and screwdrivers and sockets and all kinds of specialized tools to be able to do a rebuild like this. And then lastly, and this might be most important, there, there are some character qualities that you're gonna need. I mean, you're gonna need patience. You are gonna need discipline. You are gonna need persistence if you wanna rebuild something like that car. And actually, really anything in your life that you wanna rebuild, whether it's a car, a house, your finances, your integrity, there are certain character qualities that you are gonna need in order to rebuild. And that's really what I wanna talk about today. The character qualities requ required for any sort of rebuild. Now, this series that we're in, uh, Rebuild, uh, we're spending our time in an Old Testament book called Nehemiah. It's, uh, it's like a memoir that this guy, Nehemiah, wrote about a time in his life when he was investing in uh, rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. And so uh, up until this point, we've been spending our time in one of the capitals of the Persian Empire, a place called Susa because that's where Nehemiah lived. He served in the court of the king of the empire, uh, a guy named Artaxerxes. And God began to move in Nehemiah's heart and push him toward uh, this desire to rebuild the wall. And so the king actually gives him permission. And uh, Nehemiah, where we pick up the story today, he will be on the scene in Jerusalem, taking his first steps in this project. So just a map kind of of the area. 
uh, Middle East, you know, Jerusalem, Israel. And uh, I, just, I just recognize something in that you've probably been looking at maps like this a lot over the last couple weeks. And as we talk about events that took place in ancient Israel, uh, I think we just need to take a couple moments in and just reflect on events that are happening in modern-day Israel and around modern-day Israel. You know, our church, we've been praying. I've been praying for the Middle East, you know, just reflecting on this terror attack on Israel by Hamas, just absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, we're so deeply saddened for the residents of Gaza who are now confronted with a war that many of them did not want. And so it's at times like this that we just, we pause and we remember that our gracious God, he loves the people of the Middle East. He is pursuing the people of the Middle East, no matter what their nationality, no matter what their ethnicity, no matter what their religion. And also in moments like this, we just pause and remember how badly we need Jesus. And of course, I mean, I need Jesus and you need Jesus, like individually, but our world needs Jesus. We need Jesus to put together the broken pieces and heal this planet. We just need him so badly. And so uh, as we dive into this story about ancient Israel and ancient Jerusalem, I just, I just thought it was fitting to just pause for a moment and reflect on these thoughts. But as we jump back into Nehemiah's story, we're going to be uh, in chapter 2 of his memoir today. And uh, it kind of starts off like this. He goes, uh, I went to Jerusalem. Now, that's not the full verse, but I, I just wanted to pause there because uh, often in the scriptures, you will get just epic events in just a phrase. I went to Jerusalem. So, I mean, another map of the Middle East, uh, ancient world. You got Jerusalem down here, and then Susa, which was where Nehemiah was. That's about a 900-mile journey, okay? And in the ancient world, I mean, on camel, that's four months. Can you imagine? I mean, that's a whole book in itself, my four months on a camel, <laughs> Listen, a couple years ago, I spent about 15 minutes on a camel, and I was all set, okay? I was good. So, four, I mean, I just can't imagine. And so this is how often the scriptures work. It's like in just a phrase, you get this epic event. But Nehemiah, he travels to Jerusalem. He's on the scene, and we're going to get to see how he begins this amazing rebuild project. So my dad and his brother, they rebuilt a car. Nehemiah, he's rebuilding walls. What about you? What are you rebuilding? Is there, is there a rebuild going on in your life right now? Or is there a rebuild that needs to happen in your life? I just know that some of you are rebuilding after unexpected job change. You didn't see it coming and it has flipped your world upside down. Some of you are rebuilding faith. I mean, COVID, you remember that? Uh, that was so isolating and many of us developed uh, habits, new habits. Not all those habits were healthy habits and some of us are rebuilding our relationship with church. Some of us are rebuilding our relationship with God. 
It's possible that you're rebuilding in your family. And maybe it's not because something bad happened. I mean, something really good happened. You adopted, and this is what you wanted. This is what you prayed for for so long. And now God has provided this child in your home. And wow, has this changed the way that your family works. And so you're rebuilding. And yet I know some of you are rebuilding in your family because, uh, because of a loss. You're trying to figure out how to move forward, new reality, without someone that you love very much. So what are you rebuilding? What needs to be rebuilt in your life? And whatever it is, I've been praying for you this week. As I've been studying this passage, thinking about this message, I've been praying for you praying that God would meet you in the space that you're in, and for some of you, challenge you, wake you up to the reality that there is something that needs to be rebuilt. I've been praying that God would meet you and remind you that he is with you and for you in this rebuilding process. So we're going to spend some time with Nehemiah today, chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at three character qualities required for rebuilding in our lives. And that first character quality is honesty. So let's jump in. Nehemiah chapter 2, if you want to follow along. Uh, we already saw the first couple words of verse 11. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except for the one I was riding on. And so again, this epic journey to Jerusalem, and he rests for only three days, and then he's off. He wants to get at it. I get the impression that Nehemiah is one of these dudes that just gets after stuff. And this project, rebuilding the walls, I mean, he is passionate about seeing this happen. And so he rests for three days, and then he's off, but it's in the middle of the night. He wants to do something, but he doesn't want anybody to see him doing it. He wants it to be under the cover of darkness. So what is he up to? By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Now, I just know that some of you, if we don't address the dung gate, will not be able to focus on anything else the whole rest of the message. And so let's just stop. Yes, there was a gate. It was called the dung gate. I get the impression that it was for dung, okay? And I don't know what the rules for this gate. It was like, hey, what's that cart? Vegetables? Yeah, no, this is the dung gate. Take it somewhere else. I don't know how it worked, but there was a dung gate. Now that we've got that out of the way, I would just ask you to get your head back in the game. Let's refocus on the story. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall, and finally I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I'd gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. And so we get this long explanation of Nehemiah traveling around the walls of the city. And it, the key phrase, he's examining the walls. I think what he's doing is he wants to see it for himself. 
He wants to understand the situation for himself. I think he's going, okay, over there, man, that is destroyed. That, maybe that's where the Babylonian army broke through the wall when they conquered the city. But over here, I mean, this wall's it's not that bad. I mean, minor repairs. I think we can reuse most of this wall. He, he's getting a sense with his own eyes for the project. And so there's incredible wisdom there. And also, I, I just see humility in Nehemiah. Because this guy's kind of a big deal. I mean, he's coming from the court of the king of the empire. And he could have showed up with, boom, here's the blueprints. This is what we're doing. I already decided. This is your work crew. This is the schedule. I'm in charge. Now get to work. But he doesn't. He shows up and he's looking it over. It's almost like he's going, what am I missing? Is, Is there something I need to see here? Is there more information that I need? And so he explores the walls. Under the cover of darkness, he gets the sense for it for himself, and all of this leads to a very important conversation with the people. I get the impression that this might have been the next morning, a couple days later, verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed, have been burned with fire. He goes, you see the trouble that we're in. You see it, right? I need you to see it. The walls are broken, it's rubble. Jerusalem is in ruins. I need you to see it, the disgrace that we're in. I need you to see and recognize that our, the reputation of our great God is in the dirt. I need you to see the shame. He wants them to see it, to acknowledge it. He's asking for them to be honest about their situation. You see, there's this character quality that's so important if you wanna rebuild anything in your life, and it's honesty. You've got to be honest about your situation if you wanna rebuild. And the thing is, I think this is often a little more complicated than we realize. I think it was for the people of Jerusalem because they've been living with rubble for walls for years and years and years. This has become normal. I think they just kind of walk over the rubble as they go about their day. There comes a point where you you just don't even see it and you get comfortable with it. You can get comfortable with rubble. You can get comfortable with dysfunction, comfortable with sin in your life. And I don't think it was just them. Because we say things like, it's not that bad. I don't have a problem. It'll never happen again. I have control of it. And there comes a point where where you get comfortable with the rubble. And Nehemiah shows up and he says, I need you to see it. You see it, right? I need you to get honest about your situation. And so I would just challenge you. What do you need to get honest about? What do you need to see for what it really is? Maybe it's your relationship with technology. 
It's just scroll, 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 stop, click. I mean, what are you, what are you stopping on? What are you clicking on? And is it time to just get honest and go, you know what, my, my relationship with my phone is broken. Every interaction with your teenage daughter escalates into this argument. Every interaction with your mom escalates into this argument. And is it time to just go, you know what, right now our relationship is broken. Is it time to just say, yeah, I've got a drinking problem? I am not in control. In fact, it is controlling me. My relationship with alcohol is broken. The way that we're handling our money right now, I mean, every month it's the same story. Spend, 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 spend. We don't save anything. At the end of the month, we use a credit card to bail us out. Is it time to just say, okay, okay, our relationship with our money is broken. Our marriage is broken. Is it time to get honest? Because here's the deal, unless you are willing to admit what's going on, you can never rebuild. Unless you are willing to get honest about your reality, you cannot rebuild. And so what do you need to get honest about? And see it and just go, that is rubble. And you know, this deal, this character quality of honesty and really seeing your reality, not only is it foundational for any kind of rebuilding that you want to do, it's actually... It's actually core to our faith. I mean, those of you who are Jesus followers, those of you who would place your faith in Christ, your trust in Christ, and you're attempting to follow him with your life, I mean, this is where it all started. This is where your journey of faith began. Uh, the Apostle Paul, important leader in the early church, he wrote a letter to first century believers in Rome, and he said this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, that's me. I fall short. I don't measure up. I sin. I offend my creator. And the deal is unless you're able, unless you're willing to admit that, I mean, you can't be rescued because you're essentially saying, I, I don't need to be rescued, I'm good. Paul says, all fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus gave his life on a Roman cross, grace, his death in your place. But it doesn't do you a whole lot of good unless you're willing to go, yeah, I am a sinner. I have a problem. I'm in need of that grace. You see, at the core of our faith is this, you've got to get honest about your reality. So what do you need to get honest about today? It's a key question, a key character trait. But something that we're going to see in this story of Nehemiah is honesty. So important. But for Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem, honesty alone is not going to rebuild that wall. 
There's another character quality that's needed, and it is the characteristic of initiative. So Nehemiah, he gathers the people together, he challenges them, he says, you see it, right? And now it's like he begins to inspire them. He says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. He says to the people, listen, God is with us. God is blessing us. And the king, the king has given us the green light to do this. And so let's go. Let's do this. Let's rebuild the walls. And the people respond, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. They're like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Let's start rebuilding. And they began this good work. They start, they begin, they take initiative. Now, something I just believe is that for so many of you, God has been stirring something in your hearts. And perhaps it started in the first couple weeks of this series, but you just have this sense that God is leading you to rebuild something in your life. There's just something, there's some area of your life that's significant, it's important, and right now it's in ruins. There is rubble, and you just sense God stirring in your heart, I want you to rebuild this. And so there's just a challenge I need to give you. Start. You've got to begin. You've got to take a first step. And I just so badly want that those, those words to be your words, so they began this good work. I want those words to be your words, but you're gonna have to start. You're gonna have to take a first step. Honesty will not rebuild the walls. You've got to take initiative. And so I don't know what it is that you need to rebuild. I don't know what it is that God has been stirring in your heart, but I just spent some time this week just thinking about the possibilities and making a list. And, and my hopes with sharing this list with you is that one of these just might connect with you and, and give you what you need to propel you forward toward taking a first step towards starting. And so I would just challenge you, schedule the appointment with the counselor today. Start, begin. Go to AA this afternoon, don't wait. Walk out of here after the service, go directly to the next steps and sign up to get baptized. Do it today. End that unhealthy relationship today. Go to the gym and do that first workout. Walk to your car after church and make the phone call. Start reading a chapter of your Bible tonight. I mean, do it. Go home this afternoon and cut up the credit card. Confess the addiction and ask for accountability and do it today. You see, the thing is, you can't always start over, but you can always start again. 
I just believe there is a good work in front of you that God is stirring in your heart. And I'm just encouraging you, challenging you. You've got to start. You've got to begin. You've got to take initiative. And so what is it? But even as you think about it and decide on it, I, I just got to warn you about something. <laughs> I got to caution you about something. Just got to remind you of something that you probably already know. And that is you're going you're gonna to come up against something. You're going to encounter something when you begin rebuilding. And it's something that Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem also encountered in, they, in their rebuild. Verse 19, but, and I hate it when the but comes out. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked. They ridiculed us. What is it you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Now, Pastor Jeff, he introduced us to these guys last week, and he said, hey, a little foreshadowing. These guys will come back again. Sanballat, Tobiah, and here they're bringing their buddy Geshem. And as we progress through this story, their opposition, their resistance will get more and more intense. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that when you choose to rebuild, when you take those first steps, like Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem, you will encounter opposition, you will encounter resistance, and there is a character quality that you're going to need. And it's the character quality of perseverance. In order to see any rebuild through, you will have to persevere. So what are you, you going to have to persevere through? What's it going to be? What are you going to have to push through? What kind of resistance? You know, it might be similar to what Nehemiah experienced. The people around him, Sanballat, Tobiah, these leaders of the peoples around them, they felt threatened by Jerusalem becoming stronger, and so they resisted. You might experience opposition from people in your life who one way or another feel threatened by your rebuilding. I mean, for example, if you do get honest about your relationship with alcohol and you say, you know what, I'm going to rebuild my sobriety. Well, the people that you normally go drinking with, now they're being forced to wrestle with their own relationship with alcohol, and they might not respond all that well. And so you could experience opposition from people around you who feel threatened by your rebuilding. You might experience opposition not from outside, but from right here, from inside. Because when you're trying to break bad habits, I mean, you already know that is hard. And neuroscience would tell us that what you're doing here is you're literally trying to rewire the pathways of your brain, and that is a challenge. And so you might find the strongest resistance to your rebuild is actually your own thoughts and your own feelings. And, and if you're trying to rebuild a, a relationship, a friendship, this, this is a little surprising, but you might find opposition from the person that you're trying to rebuild a relationship with. Back when I was in college, I had a great friend. This guy on my floor, we were really close, great friendship. But when I was a senior, uh, he, he said something that really bothered me. And uh, something that was true about me when I was younger is I just was really bad 
at navigating friendship conflict. Just really, really bad at it. And so what I did, instead of going like, hey, that bothered me, I just ghosted him. You know, I just like avoided him. And I did it for way too long. And when I finally came to my senses and realized, okay, we need a conversation and I need to apologize and also realize this guy is a great friend and I don't want to lose this friendship, I went to him and tried to rebuild the friendship. But I discovered something. He was not exactly in the same emotional space that I was in. And I encountered uh, caution from him. He was guarded about this. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you're trying to rebuild a relationship, a friendship, particularly with a person that you hurt, you might want to get ready for some resistance. And I'm not sure that they're wrong in putting up some walls. And so this could, this could require a great amount of patience, gentleness, and sensitivity. You will have to persevere through this in a very particular way. And so when you rebuild, all I'm trying to say is you will encounter opposition, you will encounter resistance, and so how is it that you're going to persevere through it? Well, how did Nehemiah do it? Let's, let's look at this. I answered them, he's talking about Sanballat, Tobiah, these, these guys that are opposing, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, we will start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or any historic right to it. They say, oh, you want to resist. You want to oppose us. Well, guess what? Get lost. We're rebuilding. You're not invited. And they just persevere. I mean, they just push through. And this, this is what you've got to do, right? I mean, you just got to endure. You've got to persevere. You got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, and various other things that your boomer grandpa would say to you to motivate you. It's like I listen to Nehemiah's words, and I'm like, that's awesome. That is great. So glad they were able to do that. How do you actually do that in real life? You know? It's like if, if you're in a marriage, and you're trying to rebuild that marriage, and your husband is not on the same page as you, how, how do you actually persevere through that? Can, can you give us something more practical, Nehemiah? Can you give us something more tangible, Nehemiah? Yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how you actually persevere. Because there's a couple things that Nehemiah said, closer look, I think are incredibly practical and helpful. In fact, if you're a type of person that takes notes, write these things down. Because middle of next week, when you forget everything that I've said, minus that bit about the dung gate, these words, I think, will help you actually keep moving forward in your rebuild when you're tired, when you're just worn out. And so let's take a closer look. I want to look at this verse, uh, two observations going backward through the text. First one is how he responds to them. He says, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to them. He's, he's saying, look, you're not invited to this. We're going to rebuild this, and you guys get out of here. You're uninvited from the rebuild. 
And it's like he draws a boundary. And so if there's a word to remember here, it is the word boundary. You are not invited. I'm telling you, if you're actually going to persevere as you rebuild something in your life, you will need to draw some boundaries. I mean, if it is you that's going, you know what, I, I need to rebuild my sobriety. You're going to need some boundaries. But you can't go out with your drinking buddies right now. You've got to draw a boundary there. Look, I can't hang out with you guys, and I can't go over there right now. You will need boundaries in order to actually persevere and push through the adversity that you will face. If you're trying to rebuild your financial world, I mean, I made that comment about cutting up credit cards. I mean, you might need to do that. You might need to actually make a boundary and say, we're not using the credit card. In fact, we're going to cut it up. For a while, we're canceling Amazon Prime. We're not going out right now. You will have to make some boundaries if you really want to make progress here. Look, if you're in space where you need to rebuild your sexual integrity, I mean, you might... HBO Max, gone. You are uninvited from the rebuild. Your fancy iPhone that can do all kinds of searches. You might need to go with, I mean, flip phone. Remember those? I mean, we laugh, but if you want to make progress here, you've got to make boundaries. You've got to get serious. And so let me just ask you a tough question. Where do you need to set a boundary? Who or what needs to be uninvited? from the rebuild. Where do you need to set a boundary and who needs to know about it? Because a boundary without accountability, that's not a boundary. That's a hope. And that's not gonna get you very far. So what's the boundary, who needs to know? Second observation, back to that same verse, first part of it, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. It's not just us. Nehemiah knows something. He's not alone in this rebuild. God is with him. And he's going, look, we might run out of strength, but God's not gonna. And so we are rebuilding. And I just need to remind you of something. It's a word right here. Trust. You can trust that as you rebuild this relationship, as you rebuild your integrity, as you rebuild your faith, that God is with you. He is for you. He is, he is at work in you and around you and through you. It's not all up to your character. His character is part of the equation. You can trust that he will go before you and he will meet you in that space. And when you really cling to that, that can empower you to persevere through whatever resistance you're facing. But, but something we just, we have to mention is Nehemiah seems very sure that God is going to pull through for him. He goes, God will give us success. And I think that's because God gave Nehemiah a very specific call for a very specific project. And it's like Nehemiah knows God is going to see this through. And something we got to be honest about is you and I, and whatever it is that we need to rebuild, we might not have that same guarantee of success. That friendship in college, when I came to my senses, I went back to him, I apologized. He accepted the apology. He forgave me. Our friendship was not rebuilt in the same way that it was. 
And the truth is, you could pour your heart and your soul into rebuilding your business, and it still might fail. And you could pour your heart and your soul into rebuilding your marriage, and your spouse might still walk. There is no guarantee of success, but you can trust that God will be at work in you and around you and through you and be producing something good and beautiful in you. God, God produced in me in that friendship fracture. The, the relationship, the friendship wasn't restored, but he rebuilt something in me character in me that, that equipped me and set me up for healthy friendships in the future. So you can trust that God will be at work no matter the outcome. So picture as we close out today. 75 Chevelle under construction. I just, I just need to say these words as we close out. Not every rebuild gets finished. Dude wants a classic car, he wants a muscle car, he buys it, puts it in the garage, he's got the know-how, he got, he's got the tools, he never actually does the work. And it just sits there and sits there and sits there. And part of my fear in this conversation is that some of you know what you need to rebuild, and you're just not going to take that step. And so I would challenge you, not every rebuild gets rebuilt. Take that step. And also, not everything that you try to rebuild actually gets rebuilt in the way that you want it to, kind of like my friendship. But another picture, sometimes rebuilds get finished, and it's beautiful. And you just don't know how God might meet you with his presence and his strength, give you what you need to rebuild that friendship, that marriage, your integrity. And even if it doesn't end up like you want it to, the way that you imagine, you can trust that God will be at work and producing something good in and around you, no matter what the outcome. And so may God meet you this week as you seek to rebuild with his presence and his strength and his love. Heavenly Father, as we close out our time in your scriptures, yeah, first off, we're just so grateful that you have revealed yourself to us through a book like Nehemiah. And God, as I think about our church today, I just recognize there are brothers and sisters in Christ here who are attempting to rebuild something significant in their life. And many of them perhaps are scared, are tired. God, would you meet them? Would you strengthen them? Would you surround them and give them what they need to continue rebuilding? God, we're so grateful for who you are, so grateful for your son, Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thanks so much for being here. It was a privilege to open the scriptures with all of you. We'll see you next week for part four.